this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to the hindu's in focus podcast private capital expenditure has been anemic for a few years now in india a state of affairs that has only been exacerbated by the pandemic and the war in ukraine if there's one thing that business hates it's ambiguity and in the last 3 years ambiguity alone has ruled our personal and professional lives as we seek to leave behind the pandemic impact and head into another budget season it's time to review private sector investment levels in the country and the effect of the production linked incentive scheme in bringing in investments to share his views on the topic we have with us today mr k ravichandran executive vice president and chief rating officer at ikra limited Uh, Mr. Ravichandran, thank you for being with us today. I uh, really appreciate your creating time for this. It's my honor. Thank you. So, you know, before we get into the specifics of, uh, you, know, you know, as anticipated into PLI and so on, if we could just start off with some numbers, you know, where do you think that, you know, in terms of yearly capital expenditure spending on part of the private sector, and then how it compares with the government sector is something I'm curious to learn. would you have uh, views to elaborate on that uh see if you look at the capex trends of uh, india it has been about uh, you know 19 to 20 to 23 lakh crore you know uh, in the recent uh, years of which almost 70% would be from the uh, government side whether it is central or state governments and only about 20 to 30% has come from uh, private sector which includes private sector plus psus so large part of the uh, you know expenditure has been done by uh, states and uh, central governments so uh, in the recent past you know uh, especially last 3 4 years you know because of the uh, pandemic uh, the share of uh, center and states you know went up uh, you know uh, because private sector was uh, in a wait and watch mode and uh, some of the sectors were also going through a difficult phase etc and the rent visibility on the demand uh, front so uh, they were going slow on all that and uh, most of the uh, you know the burden you know fell on the uh, central government and to some extent state governments which you know which came in the form of uh, various uh, infrastructure awards whether it is in you know uh, roads or uh, renewable energy or defense or railways you know urban infrastructure projects and so on and so forth and because of that uh, you know uh, many uh, epc companies and uh, private developers got several orders and uh, the economy was live and kicking and so was the case for state governments i mean many of the state governments uh, have been investing quite a lot on irrigation and you know other social infrastructure uh, projects and so on and so forth so because of that you know the overall you know the companies who are participating in this kind of uh, you know orders they benefited so private sector capex you know uh, having said that has been picking up of late during the covid period one trend that we observed that many companies deleveraged their balance sheets in a big way and uh, today you know their credit profile uh, is at a comfortable level and uh, you know the risk appetite also also you know has come back i would think so today you know uh, the many uh, capital intensive sectors like steel cement textiles and uh, paper so on and so forth you would find uh, new capital you know announcements uh, project announcements uh mostly through brownfield projects and few greenfield projects and government also has been uh, incentivizing the uh, sector 
through this PLI scheme. Uh, while uh, under the PLI umbrella, only limited investments have happened till now, but quite a lot uh, one can expect in the coming years. As per Ikra's expectation, almost uh, you know five to six lakh crore of investments are going to happen in the next uh, four to five years uh, in various sectors, including semiconductors, uh, electronics, and uh, auto and auto components. You know, uh, pharmaceuticals, specialty chemicals, and so on and so forth. So overall, okay. I mean, risk appetite has come back, you know, for the private sector. Excellent. So, uh, you know, a subset to my next question, before I elaborate on this, I just wanted to understand, I understand the economic, uh, the economy goes through cycles and likewise uh, capital expenditure from the private sector will also follow such a cycle. Uh, you know, typically, historically, uh, when we have been at the peak of private sector uh, capex investments, what is the proportion between private and public uh, at those points in time? Is it 50-50 when private sector is really alive and kicking in terms of capex investments? Or is it still lower than you know what the government would because the government is a huge investor in uh, capital expenditure? During the best of times, you know, the share of private sector, which includes the PSUs, you know, would have been about 35 to 40%. Still, you know, the government, uh, you know, in the form of both central and states, put together, they were, you know, were the dominant uh, you know, uh, partners, you know, in the overall capital story, because, you know, also then, then, you know, there, you know, uh, balance sheet uh, uh, would always have been stronger compared to the, you know, other uh, stakeholders yeah. and uh, all of them would have their own, you know, uh, steady projects. So, private sector, you know, while, uh, you know, they had done well when the risk period was good and economy was coming along well, uh, when the, when there was, you know, uncertainty, you know, uh, in the economy and both in the Indian economy and global economy, I think they, you uh, uh, went slow in capex, and uh, government had to come to the rescue of the economy by yeah. coming out with more projects. Yeah, yeah. You know, you'd mentioned that the risk appetite is returning. What gives you that confidence to make that observation? Because uh, even the government seems uh, sanguine about uh, uh, private sector investment. I think the chief economic advisor, Mr. Dr. Anantha Nageshwaran, had recently said, like till September, if you look at the first six months of current fiscal year. The private sector investments are, you know, pretty good. And at this rate, if we keep the same rate and end the year in March 2023, it would be the highest in about six to seven years. So one, would you agree with that statement? And secondly, what gives you the confidence that the risk appetite has returned to stay instead of being bumpy? Yeah, uh, see, uh, one can go only by the announcements, you know, made by the corporates. And also, you know, the figures reported by some of the... Uh, uh, agencies like CMIE. See, uh, uh, you would be you would observe that many states hold investor meets uh, these days to attract uh, global investors, and they've been rolling out the red, red carpet, you know, uh, to ensure that uh, respective states received uh, an huge amount of investments, you know, for the uh, benefit of the respective, you know, citizens. So, uh, if you go with announcements made in some of the uh, investor meets in some of the larger states uh, like Gujarat, Maharashtra. Karnataka, Tamil Nadu, and so on and so forth, uh, you would find that, uh, you know, the uh, corporate uh, India is really, uh, you know, uh, optimistic with regard to uh, the demand scenario. Uh, while uh, while it's always said that, uh, you know, a small portion of these announcements only eventually find its way, you know, through investments. Even if you take a small portion, still it's a quite a sizable, you know, investments that, you know, we have been observing. And uh, coming to specific sectors where, you know, large investments are happening, in oil and gas sector is one sector where you know uh, uh, both through private sources as well as through the you know the government sources uh, a lot of investments have been happening whether it is on the uh, refining petrochemicals marketing 
city gas distribution and uh, on the upstream side uh, you know we have very strong counterparties and uh, we uh, our growth on uh, petroleum product demand has also been in you know, a growing at a steady pace so there is a need for creating you know more infrastructure you know both on the upstream side and uh, you know downstream side uh, so uh, investments continue to pour in you know in this uh, sector uh, that about you know uh, renewable energy you know is another space uh, wherein uh, you find uh, a lot of investments from the waste private sector wherein uh, there are strong counterparties like seki nvv and etc Uh, you find a huge amount of interest in you know biddings whenever you know siki or any nvvn uh, or the counterparties and in the case of road projects also wherever you know nha is the counterparty since it's a triple rated entity you know the you know the confidence level of the bidders is fairly high while they may delay payments uh, you know depending on uh, you know the actual contractual condition but eventually they pay so to the extent confidence level is fairly high on uh, nha and uh, so you would find that a lot of interest is there for developing uh, roads under you know hybrid and ut model and even otherwise also through epc etc so apart from this you know traditional uh, you know heavy hitters uh, otherwise also if you see uh, traditional sectors like uh, you know steel cement uh, textiles paper uh, we find that you know the companies are finding enough merit you know to put in additional investments because existing capacity utilization is fairly at high level and unless you know they put in uh, you know uh, new capacity they will not be able to cater to the uh, you know incremental demand and at those extent uh, there have been announcements and uh, the recent past uh, you know the you know there has been some relaxation on the income tax front uh, if you set up a project under uh, under a new company uh, you tend to get uh, income tax benefits and so on and so forth and uh, because of these kind of pull factors i believe uh, you know the diversity appetite has come back and more importantly more than anything else it is a state of the balance sheet of the india inc that is uh, very very important uh, today the credit profile of indian uh, companies at a very 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 you know high level and uh, we also seen you know through our upgrade downgrade ratio we have seen record number of upgrades then downgrade that shows that overall credit quality and balance sheet strength is improving that has created more confidence for the private sector you know to invest why i don't want to specifically go into uh, whether ca uh, you know uh, projected numbers are correct or not but practically when you go by you know the announcements of uh, various companies and also when we rate uh, many of these large behemoths we see that they're all very active with the project you know you know execution and uh, so on and so forth and also planning for the future projects so overall you know uh, we see uh, a definite uh, trend reversal when it comes to uh, uh, private sector investments so that's interesting because um, of course you you had a forward looking view and that's valuable but if i just look slightly backward and look at uh, say core sector or iip uh, index of industrial production growth over the past few months it's been a bumpy ride uh, there is no trend that we seem to be able to take away so you know just from an average observer's point of view and not an economist or a rating analyst if i just look at those numbers i tend to think that you know obviously Uh, manufacturing happens because of demand and if consumer demand is not there there is a domino effect backwards in the supply chain so uh, my assumption was the, you know consumer demand is still bumpy and that's why we are not seeing consistent numbers as far as core sector or uh, iib data go coupled with this is a slowing global environment so when you, you talked about textiles and uh, textile if i look at textiles as an export oriented sector uh the opportunities for export will be muted at least for another 12 months if not more is 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 our take because of the slowing global environment 
So these concerns may not weigh on corporates' minds is what you're saying, because at a time when consumer demand is just taking off, it's better to invest then in capacity than when it's at its peak. Is that, would that be the logic for corporates? This consumer you know, demand has to be uh, analyzed you know, in a totally different context. See, we have you have various consuming classes. You know, uh, if you really look at the demand for uh, luxurious products, you know, uh, we have seen announcements by messages bands and some of the large, you know, uh, companies catering to the Uber rich, uh, you know, uh, people catering to higher end of the market, uh, you know, they have not been impacted at all. In fact, they've been generating record sales in India, despite all the, you know, upheavals that we have seen. Uh, whereas on the, you know, on the other hand, uh, people at the bottom end of the society, you know, uh, we find that uh, they are still, they're not able to come back to the normal uh, level. And you can see, you know, from the, uh, you know, the data of, uh, microfinance entities, you know, uh, they cater to almost, you know, the lowest end of the uh, society in terms of income uh, distribution. So you can see that uh, while there is marginal pickup when it comes to collections, etc., but still it has not reached the pre-COVID levels and uh, demand for some of the other products like two-wheelers, etc., still they are at anemic level only. And uh, when it comes to somewhere in between, if you're talking about, you know, middle and upper middle uh, kinds of the society, while, uh, you know, if you take it, if you take, you know, sectors like cars or for that matter, uh, some of the uh, fast moving uh, consumer goods, etc. Wherein uh, we have seen mixed uh, kind of a trends. Uh, we have seen record, uh, you know, uh, sales for the car, uh, you know, uh, for car manufacturers. These days, waiting period is fairly long, you know, to buy a car. Whether when it comes to FMCG, we have seen that uh, there has been some slowdown, especially, you know, companies who are at uh, focusing on rural or, you know, semi-urban areas where there is some uh, discernible slowdown. So, uh, so uh, it depends upon the companies that you're talking about. I mean, companies who are catering largely to the, you know, lowest trend of the society, uh, certainly, you know, there are still headwinds. Consumption uh, may not, uh, you know, come back to normal level uh, in the immediate context. But people who are cutting to the middle and upper middle and uber rich category, I would think, uh, you know, demand uh, is fairly robust um, and uh, here to stay. Now, coming to export oriented industries, uh, certainly you made the point, you know, uh, we are looking at, uh, you know, kind of a weak situation, uh, whether it is US or European Union or even some of the Asian countries where, you know, we like to see uh, either, uh, you know, what uh, slowdown in economic growth rate or, you know, recession. Uh, that would imp- impact you know, some of the you know the export oriented industries like uh, export of petroleum products or further matter textiles, uh, pharmaceuticals and auto components, autos, etc. Uh, certainly, you know the demand uh, you know uh, slump should be there, and uh, to the extent you know, margin uh, related pressures uh, one can expect. Uh, so that is where one has to be you know uh, cautious. What is the mix of your sales you know between domestic and export okay. within export? What are the regions we're exposed to? So on a case-to-case basis, one should uh, be, you know, looking at the impact, I would think. Okay. Okay. You know, given these um, uh, trends where we are unable to take anything, uh, you know, secular pattern away, I would imagine that uh, the uh, overtures by the government, say, for example, the production-linked incentive scheme uh, is uh, largely helping is the observation. But, um, you know, there are also counter arguments. For instance, just uh, coincidentally, this morning, I was reading uh, a social media post and I wasn't able to access the full material. I think Dr. Raghuram Rajan and a couple of others have written a paper in which they've actually questioned, you know, do we need to pick and choose the industries in which we offer PLI? Because 
for example, electronics would anyway have grown because of the moving away from China in the case of Apple, for example. They may not have needed the PLI, so we have to spend our uh, uh, rupees and dollars cautiously. So, you know, before we get into sector-specific issues for PLI, uh, at a 30,000-foot overall level, what is your view on the PLI as, as it actually helped bring in private investment from abroad into the country? Uh, see, you know, uh, based on our own, you know, analysis, uh, we even came out with the, you know, thematic on this subject two months back, wherein, you know, we find that uh, actual investments have been, you know, limited till now, and most of the committed investments are back-ended, you know, from 23-24 uh, financial year onwards, all the way up to 26-27. It would peak at around 26-27, and then taper down uh, from there on. Uh, while investments committed are fairly large, as mentioned about uh, Six to seven lakh crore kind of investments are expected in you know, different uh, you know uh, subsectors, but there is there is you know discernible uh, movement uh, you know on the ground, you know because you know getting approvals and all that uh, takes its own time, and because of that you would find this back-ended nature of the investments. But having said that, whether we ought to be giving PLI to uh, so many sectors, that's a debatable point. And uh, finally, I mean government thought it fit to uh, give PLI you know to. Uh, to domestic industry, uh, to improve our self-sufficiency and uh, attract some of the you know, global majors. But otherwise, you know, the the so if you look at some of the large companies in the global markets, they are spoiled for choice. I and mean, you know, they can go to Vietnam, they can go to uh, uh, Thailand and uh, Cambodia, etc. So unless our level of incentives are at fairly attractive level, you know, they are not going to come to India and commit large amount of investments. Uh, to the extent we had to sweeten the deal, so to the extent uh, one can debate. Whether that kind of uh, you know money should be spent, uh, uh, you know that is always a you know, moot point. But but overall, government's uh, objective is very clear. They want to uh, you know uh, see that uh, you know we improve ourselves, improve our self sufficiency on this highly important uh, you know uh, intensive uh, you know sectors, and also see that you know our economy also directly is benefited through employment and other you know uh, fiscal multiplier you know uh, effect. So I would think, well, as of now, you know, you may not have seen the you know, big benefits from PLI. It's just a matter of time. Maybe in another three, four years, we would see uh, some benefits, if not, uh, you know, the entire benefits uh, which government would have initially uh, budgeted for. Okay. So even assuming to adopt the 10 standard math uh, terminology, necessary but not sufficient, may not be sufficient condition, at least the necessary conditions uh, need to be in place, like uh, a tax regime that's competitive, the 15% uh, tax uh, offer that the government came up with for new investments in manufacturing. And that last date has been you know, deferred by a year uh, to March 31st, 2024. So that sort of compared with the existing tax uh, regime with uh, uh, Vietnam, for example, so there are several, and then the PLA initiative. So still what we've observed is even as the pandemic was starting, even though the pandemic push, maybe because of geopolitical tensions, there was conversations about companies looking at uh, China plus one strategy. Obviously, the, the Chinese uh, contribution to the supply chain globally is so significant, nobody can pull away from China completely. So China plus one. And we were hoping that, you know, uh, in addition to Vietnam and Philippines, India, because of its scale that it offers, uh, would be a major player. But that has not happened. You know, if anything, we see announcements only trickling through in terms of FDI and uh, new investments. So do you think we are there at all? Or, you know, there are other things like ease of doing business, which need to be uh, improved upon. And we haven't, after the World Bank uh, ranking went away, 
uh, we haven't seen uh, any uh, media headlines on that front. Uh, do you think we are competitive or some more work needs to be done on that front? Yeah, without doubt, you know, uh, we have to make life, you know, make the life easier for, you know, these uh, foreign investors and also Indian investors, you know, to uh, tap the opportunities. Uh, it is not enough to make announcements only on the fiscal front. It's more important, you know, to see that uh, at the ground level, people understand, you know, people who are at, uh, you know, local, uh, you know, government level, you know, they have to understand the importance of attracting investments and uh, see to it that, no major hardship uh, is experienced by the uh, the industries. Uh, so that is the key thing. And uh, uh, without that, you know, no amount of uh, fiscal stops would help. Uh, that is a necessary condition, without doubt. But having said that, uh, coming to this China plus one uh, related upside, uh, it is indeed you know uh, uh, an important uh, discussion point among all you know uh, global companies these days. You know, the uh, many of these MNCs have realize the you know the risk of relying on one country uh, for either uh, being the sole uh, source or i mean among the few sources uh, so they have seen uh, supply chains being disrupted and so on and so forth and uh, so india is being seen in that context why we may not have fully tapped that opportunity because some of that has also gone to competing economies vietnam cambodia to be specific but still i mean india uh, is an important source for some of the important sectors like uh, pharmaceutical intermediates uh, specialty chemicals, etc., wherein uh, indeed Indian companies have been able to get multi-year orders and they benefited also. And uh, of late also, there is another opportunity which is coming up that is Euro plus one because of the rising energy prices in Europe. You know, some of the opportunities could, uh, you know, flow to India. Uh, so these are all, you know, uh, tailwinds and uh, which India should uh, take advantage of. Uh, for that to uh, really happen on the ground, you know, we have to make... Uh, you know, procedures simpler and, uh, you know, uh, we have to facilitate faster investments uh, on the ground. Uh, so that is how, you know, we would, uh, you know, look at this uh, scenario. Okay. So I I will take away that we, India is not there yet. So a lot of um, work needs to be done on that front. Um, so if I have to look at specific sectors, uh, do you have a pecking order that you have saying, okay, you know, this sector has done, you know, the, the best? I think electronics would be up there and I'm open to correction if that's not the case. You know, if you could take three or four sectors and, you know, if we let us have our, your view on it, uh, electronics, auto, automobiles, uh, pharmaceutical, how do you think these industries have uh, performed with the aid of the PLI? Has it made any difference? I know you're talking, you refer to back-ended investments, but even with the start, has any benefit been seen trickling down to these industries? Electronics certainly, you know, uh, we have already seen, uh, you know, the likes of Apple uh, moving some of their sourcing to India, and as per their, you know, announcements, uh, the share can can only go up, you know, in future. And a lot of investments have been committed uh, in Tamil Nadu, especially, and uh, to some extent, Karnataka, under this, uh, you know, uh, particular, you know, uh, subsector uh, proposals. And apart from that, uh, electric vehicle is another space, you know, wherein. Uh, where it will come under broad auto sector, it can also be looked at separately. Uh, we have seen investments pouring in, you know, to the sector, uh, both for you know, uh, both as a OEM. I mean, you know, the likes of uh, Ola Electric has uh, invested huge amount of money in Osur, near Osur, and they're also talking about uh, setting up a huge ecosystem. You know, setting up a large, you know, industrial belt over there, so that many, uh, you know, auto ancillaries can come up 
to serve the needs, uh, not only for Indian demand and, and also for uh, catering to the uh, overseas uh, demand. Uh, so EV space and batteries is another you know area where investments have not come in now, but then you know uh, if you look at the companies who got the uh, orders, uh, uh, primarily Ola, Lens, and Rajas Exports, and uh, so on and so forth, they committed a lot of investments. When it comes to the actual you know benefit which have been realized by the Indian consumers, number one would be on the electronics and to some extent on the uh, semiconductors, etc. Largely to I would think largely to you know uh, would be in the electronics front. Understood. So that actually sets me up for my next question, especially to do with semiconductors and solar panels, for example. You know, some players that we've spoken to in these specific sectors seem to think that China has a huge advantage. Uh, you know, it was probably the pioneer and the kind of scale that it has built up in these sectors, like with other sectors, it's unmatchable because of the scale, the prices it is able to offer. So some even promoters of companies who say they have taken up the PLI scheme and they will benefit from it, say, you know, there's no way, even with the PLI and with all our investments kicking in under the PLI scheme, no way will we be able to match uh, China's levels. And as long as PLI is available to us, we'll make use of it. After that, we'll be back to square one. We'll do what we can. So there is, you know, there is a kind of view that is coming out from there. In which case, do you think we should have cherry-picked specific industries and then played to us? Trends. Maybe, you know, uh, these industries are anyway, you know, sort of swamped by China. And let us look at areas where we will really benefit. Do you think, uh, you know, we've gone slightly uh, wide off our target? Yeah, I mean, uh, I would agree with you on that front in the sense that uh, kind of economy of scale with Chinese companies enjoy uh, in uh, solar modules and uh, semiconductor related businesses. Uh, is huge. I mean, you know, it's not going to be possible for India to uh, meet that uh, anytime soon. But having said that, you know, if you take solar modules uh, per se, uh, you know, there are certain obligations for the Indian uh, solar power developers to purchase from, uh, you know, Indian uh, module manufacturers. And there are certain, uh, you know, uh, uh, bits wherein, uh, you know, they're exclusively reserved for sourcing from the Indian companies. Uh, to that extent, they would get the brand or they would get the uh, orders. While uh, as a consumer, you know, we may not be benefited because capital cost is bound to be higher compared to, let's say, uh, imported kind of a uh, scenario. But then at least you would have developed an ecosystem which may eventually help you to bring, you know, uh, to uh, get economy of scale. At some stage, you know, we may become competitive. Uh, that is a hope. But at least, you know, government is uh, serious about uh, reducing the dependence because there are also, you know, geopolitical considerations not only to do with cost. I mean, sometimes you want to take that call as well. You know, if you want to reduce the dependence on a particular country, even if it means at a higher cost, uh, uh, government would have every right to decide on that. And even if it means it's a suboptimal decision from cost point of view, so be it. I mean, if it helps from the geopolitical point of view, that may not be a bad decision after all. So in that regard, I would agree with you. From cost point of view, we may not uh, be a huge gainer. And after the benefits are withdrawn, uh, you know, perhaps we will be back to square one. So we need to see at that point in time how the demand uh, situation is, whether these companies have been able to further improve on the cost curve. So those are the things we have to wait and watch. But at least, you know, so long as, you know, there is uh, some money on the table, I'm sure, you know, uh, Indian companies will pile on to that. Uh, I was wondering if at all you had a view on what exactly the government must do, because from a PLI point of view, it's been doing what would have been a one-shot announcement in the budget, but it's been going sector by sector. Again, it's also announced a benign tax structure for new manufacturing investments. 
Um, is there anything else other than a generic view on, say, ease of doing business, which requires a lot of uh, uh, hubs and spokes to be addressed in the economy wheel? And you talked about even government officials at the lower end of the spectrum who have to be cognizant of the fact that uh, businesses cannot be put to any trouble. Is there anything specific that you think the government should be doing in terms of an announcement that would um, help uh, the animal spirits that seem slightly muted uh, in the private sector? The key thing would be to revive the consumer demand. See, uh, you know, I was earlier mentioning that uh, interest rate cycle is really, you know, increasing. And uh, so far, last you know, two years, if you see, uh, residential real estate sector has done pretty well. You know, you can see based on the announced uh, sales of the large developers. Uh, that was because mortgage rates were pretty low at that time and uh, affordability was also very high. But now we are reaching a point where it is pinching the you know, pockets of uh, Indian consumers. And uh, now with uh, more hike expected uh, in the near term, uh, the demand scenario is not looking that sanguine. Uh, so it's important to, uh, you know, to see that, you know, there's enough disposable income for different category of, uh, you know, consumers. In that regard, some rationalization of tax, you know, income tax structure or, you know, allowance for uh, home loans and so on and so forth uh, should really be helpful. Uh, reviving consumer demand uh, would be very, very important. Uh, for India Inc. because unless the demand is robust, uh, no amount of uh, industrial policies will help the you know companies. Uh, so that is uh, number one, I would think. Uh, but apart from that, I mean, at the policy level, uh, a lot has already been done uh, both by you know RBA and also by the you know various ministries um, through various announcements uh, during the course of the year. I don't think uh, major announcements uh, you know would be required, which will enable has to come out of this dormancy uh, it is i would think it is more to do with uh, you know improving the consumer sentiment uh, than you know anything else excellent is there anything else you would have liked to have dwelt upon and that might i might have missed asking see overall you know the there may be certain headwinds uh, being faced at this juncture by india inc uh, you know primarily through this uh, inflation uh, both in india as well as you know uh, some of the uh, uh, developed regions that is creating its own, uh, you know, uh, challenges in terms of demand, currency-related volatility, commodity price volatility, and so on and so forth. Uh, while there are several headwinds, uh, you know, uh, in the immediate horizon, but uh, on the whole, I believe domestic demand uh, will remain uh, uh, fairly solid uh, for Indian companies. And to that extent, uh, you know, companies and sectors which are India-focused should be able to do well in the near term. Whereas companies who are and sectors who are externally focused, IT, pharma, auto components, and uh, gems and jewelry. And some of these sectors, you know, could uh, face demand-related challenges in the immediate term. So that is where, I mean, you know, prudent uh, risk management would come into play. Uh, you know, so long as companies, uh, they are, you know, optimally leveraged, I'm sure they will be able to comfortably, you know, face the situation. And now with the budget, uh, you know, uh, uh, nearing, I'm sure government uh, would also uh, take cognizance of the challenges uh, being faced by you know uh, India Inc, I'm sure they will also come out with the policies which are conducive for uh, you know attracting investments and revealing the animal spirits in the economy. Excellent. Thank you so much. Uh, it's been an insightful conversation. Uh, spending in time focus, with you, sir. We'll be back really soon appreciate you being with, with us analysis today. of the biggest. My pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other platforms. Just search for. In Focus by the Hindu. We'll see you soon.